When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Schedule. He is Rod. I am Cam. And Michigan State comes out of this one with a win, sixty-eight to forty-five against the fifteenth-ranked Rutgers. Um, and it's hard to believe what three or four days uh, can do to change one's perspective on a team. Um, Rod, this yeah. is a dominant performance on defense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I mentioned after that Nebraska game that, yeah, they won and that was good, but um, I didn't leave that game feeling a whole lot better about them. Right. Tonight, I feel a whole lot better. And it doesn't mean <laughs> that all the problems have been magically wiped away or anything. That's that's not the case, you know. This is still a team that's got to have a lot of growth because, as we know, every single night in this conference you're going to get tested. Um, but the things we saw from a lot of guys, and you just mentioned the word, of course, defensively, um, were very, very important. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think it's worth pointing out in the interest of fairness. I don't know why. I'll give Michigan State some of the credit for it, but to me, Rutgers played with a lot of isolation in this game. You know, a lot of iso ball. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a lot of movement, um, you know, but uh, they didn't run a lot of pick and roll after they tried some, some of it early and Michigan State did a pretty good job in, in defending it. Um, I'm not sure why it turned out that way, but I, I think that helped Michigan State. On the other hand, um, Michigan State has for much of the last three weeks or so, hasn't guarded anybody in isolation. Mm. They've had a terrible time denying dribble penetration, you know, and trust me, although you might not be able to tell by the way this game went, Rutgers has a bunch of guys who are very effective driving the basketball. Young is, Harper certainly is, um, Mathis can do that, Baker Baker can do that. Yeah, and they didn't get anything that way. So I give, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, you know, Michigan State's defensive performance was outstanding, in my opinion. It really was. Um, 
particularly a couple guys will will highlight. I thought Malik Hall, especially, but um, three guys: Aaron Henry, who you would always expect, Malik Hall, who I thought was outstanding tonight, and I thought Thomas Kithier was great defensively too because he mm-hmm. guarded Harper Jr. a lot more than I thought he would. And then there were also times he was guarding Miles Johnson, and he held up beautifully. I think Johnson had one bucket against him, and I don't know that Harper ever scored against him. So those three guys really showed up. Other guys played better than they've been playing at that end, too. Um, but, yeah, it's a, a lot to feel happy about. The The two things that I think have been consistent issues for this team so far, rebounding and defense, pretty good performance in those areas. Tonight. And we had talked about this uh, against the small ball lineup Hauser and um, Malik Hall. And Malik Hall played a ton tonight, 27 minutes. Yep. Uh, yep. And, 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 and he did it right. And he did it with – here is the important part about that. Uh, you know, and we, we, I know we touched on this. Um, if you can play Malik Hall at the four for that kind of time, that's going to probably lead to you being in pretty good shape rebounding-wise. You know, yeah. because then you got somebody else, Kithier, who, you know, people don't think of as a great rebounder. Thomas Kithier had seven rebounds tonight, you know, in 18 minutes. And he's a good rebounder because a lot of the plays he makes, and he had a couple of these tonight, they aren't even plays that go down to him and are credited to him as a rebound when he keeps the ball alive by deflecting it, tipping it back out, but they still lead to offensive rebounds. So he's even better than his stats suggest. But, but anyway, the important part is when you can play bigger like that, Malik only had four rebounds, but it makes Michigan state better. You know why Aaron Henry is able to play on the wing, Mm -hmm. not four. And Aaron Henry had eight boards tonight. And Joey Hauser had 14 boards in 25 minutes. Oh my goodness, yeah. So you see it all kind of added up. And I think that was really, really big because we talked about, we spent a lot of time talking about what are the options that Michigan State's got. We felt the two were Malik Hall and Aaron Henry. Well, Malik Hall certainly was a big part of it, but I would say Aaron very rarely guarded um, Harper. I'm not sure he ever did in this game except for a switch. Mm. Uh, but Thomas Kithier was that second guy, and I thought did a really nice job, better than I thought he could. Because mm-hmm. I, I thought Harper's quickness and you know just his savvy would would give Thomas trouble if he had to guard him for long stretches. Well, Thomas played what he played eighteen minutes, and I'll bet ten of those he guarded Harper. I'm gonna guess. Yep. I mean, Harper didn't come off a four much. What did Harper? I'm looking at the stats right now. Minutes. Harper played 33 minutes, so Harper was out there for a lot of it. So I would say, you know, Malik and and TK were the two guys, and they both really did their jobs. Yeah, and um, Langford did a good job on on Geo Baker. Baker he did. Didn't you know, do, I, did nothing this game. Five. Points. I've only got one defensive complaint with Joshua Langford tonight. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at the stats. I think it was Baker though. There was one play in the second half where they ran they ran a nice play too. So it was a it was a staggered screen. There were two guys he had to he had to get over. But Josh opted to go under and he went way under mm-hmm. and had 
a, a huge amount of ground to try to cover. And of course he didn't come close to getting there and Baker hit the three. It was the only three he hit. Um, that was a, a lazy moment from Josh, in my opinion, but that was it. I thought, I thought it was again, a second straight, pretty good game. I mean, we're not going to do cartwheels over it, but you know, Josh hit some shots late to make the, the shooting numbers look good. He ended up mm-hmm. as one of three guys in double digits with 11 points. Um, and for the most part, I thought defensively, you know, he hung in there. I like what Josh, you know, he missed a couple threes early and I like how he doesn't just settle for shooting those yep. threes. He, 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 that's not working. All right. I'm going to try to find something else. He hit the couple mid rangers. Then he got to the rim a couple times and then he hit important. a three, got a three to fall. Yep. A very important point, And I totally agree with you. And I don't think it was just him. I really liked the way Michigan state tried to attack the basket. Now, you know, they got into trouble with it sometimes. The turnover numbers, especially in the first half, were were an affront against all that is holy. Yeah. I mean, they had, what do they have? It was 14 turnovers in the first half, I think. Yeah. The second, the second half was much better. They only had four. So the total was 18 when it looked like it, they might break 30. Um, but so some of it was a result of this. But I think for the most part, you want to see that mindset. I thought Josh did a really good job of that. I thought Gabe, even though he didn't get a lot done with it, was looking to attack the basket on a couple of occasions. Yeah. Um, obviously, Aaron Henry did some of that. Um, Rocket Watts, I thought, was attacking, which mm-hmm. was good to see. And then, you know, the guy who I think is pretty clearly making a difference is A.J. Hogard. I mean, there's a, there's a difference in Michigan State offensively when he's on the floor. And it's not because he's scoring a ton of points. Mm-hmm. And he had three points in this game. But he had six assists against just two turnovers, so he did the job there. Uh, but he is, I think, I'm not going to say he's their best penetrator in terms of scoring because he doesn't have the ability, I think, athletically to finish the way that an Aaron Henry can finish. But it just in terms of consistency, being able to get by his man, get to the basket, get into the lane, and not turn it over, he's the best they've got. And that's a big addition yeah, to this he, lineup because it's creating things. Definitely catching people off guard. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and he's an example. Look, A.J. Hogart is not going to win a lot of, you know, sprint contests, right? But – He's obviously athletic enough. He has enough burst. And and then the nice thing about him is, and you, you really saw it, I think, the best ex- one of the best examples we've seen yet of his savvy is that play where he, he had the steal and took it in transition against Harper Jr., who's a big, strong kid who played it well defensively. Mm-hmm. A.J. is a big, strong kid himself, and he just used his body to create enough space to be able to finish. That was a really, really impressive play. And I think that that bulk and that strength that he's got helps him as a penetrator too because he can get somebody on his hip and they're not getting back in the play. Mm-hmm. No, he's big enough and strong enough, he's going to ride them out. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's – Oh my God, you know, they have to play AJ. AJ Hogart is not yet Cassius Winston and probably never will be, but, um, they are clearly better for his getting an expanded role. 
Mm-hmm. And, it, and honestly, if it took that absolute atrocity of a game at Minnesota to to get to this point, to where the MSU staff just decided, you know what, we're going to roll with him because he played well in that game, he showed some things, then maybe it was worth going through that. <laughs> I don't know yet. Yeah. We'll check back at the end of this in March, but I, I do think that's a possible take to have is that, you know, it might be that MSU season kind of turned in some respect when they were getting their asses kicked in Minneapolis and AJ Hogard played a lot because nobody else was doing the job and he, and he showed up mm-hmm. and he played. And now you're seeing what kind of difference he can make. And he has this uh, sort of nose for the ball, an awareness maybe. You know, three well, rebounds yeah. and a block and two steals. Yep, yep. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, I think he was better defensively tonight than he yeah, was against Yeah, he Nebraska. definitely was, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, he's he's not going to be a lockdown defender, at least not yet. But I, I do think, um, you know, it was interesting. I, I know I mentioned this on the Spartan Mag board in, at some point in the first half of the Nebraska game, and I've verified it. He's got a six-foot-six-inch wingspan. Now, in an era where we talk about these big men, seven foot four, seven foot five wingspans, that doesn't sound very impressive, but anytime your wingspan is longer than your height, that's a positive. And for a point guard, a six foot six wingspan is actually a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Defensively, that is, that is enough that you can be disruptive. And I've noticed that he tips a lot of balls. Yeah. You mentioned the two steals, the block. He, he just has a nose for it and a sense for it. And so I think that's going to help him at least be a little bit disruptive defensively, even if he's not going to be rock solid 100% of the time. Mm. And I think he's making progress in that area too. He did tonight. Uh, and then Hauser, 25 minutes, 9 points, 14 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, 2 turnovers. Um, yeah, you know, you, you, watching watching his scoring, yeah, watching his scoring, you would think, well, not a great night, but 14 rebounds in that game, that's a big deal. And, and keep in mind, his minutes were limited because he was in foul trouble the first half. He didn't play a ton. I'm going to guess he only played probably 10 of those 25 minutes in the first half. Because mm-hmm. he had to sit a lot, and he still had 14 rebounds. Um, you know, I, I, it was nice to see him hit the three. I thought yeah, that was yeah. big um, for his confidence, maybe get him back on track. And I, I liked the way that he played. He, re, he competed. Even though he wasn't scoring, those rebounding numbers are telling you something. And I thought he played hard defensively. I thought he worked, you know. And, and look, Miles Johnson – you know, we talked about that potentially being a mismatch issue for Michigan State, but I thought that MSU could get away with playing Joey there if, you know, Joey was on from the perimeter and kind of make Rutgers pay. Well, that part didn't really happen. But what did happen is I thought Rutgers, Rutgers doesn't play through Miles Johnson a lot. I think he's a really good player, but they don't use him a lot offensively. You know, he averages like points a game he doesn't take a ton of shots and I think when they tried to go to him you know it just he doesn't look comfortable he's a guy who can make an effective post play Hmm. but he doesn't look comfortable and the team doesn't seem to feel comfortable running a lot through him and so I thought that played to Michigan State's advantage on a few possessions you know he got called for an offensive foul on one against Kithier Hmm. um 
where, you know, you just saw there was frustration there. And, and also I think not a great deal of comfort or experience in being a guy that you say, Hey, we're going to come to you and come to you and come to you. Cause frankly, if I'm coaching Rutgers and I have that matchup and I got a guy that can score in the post, I'm probably looking to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't think it ever really played out well for Rutgers. There was that one play where, um, Holger got switched off uh, on a pick onto Johnson. Yeah. And I was like, Oh crap. He's got, he's buried. And, and he fouled. Yeah. He yeah. fouled him. It was a really smart play. Smart play. That's because right. It was basically a turnover because he missed them both. Yeah. I mean, Johnson was, what was he? He was 0 for 7 at the line in this game. Yeah. And it's, and he came in, I think at 40% on the year. So not a, not a huge surprise. I mean, we'll, we'll go back to the keys, obviously, but boy, I feel good about one of them. Mm. For sure, the free throw line. Uh, it was obviously, it, you know, the game got blown out to an extent that you can't say that was the decisive factor. But I do think it was really important because at a point where the game was still very competitive, Rutgers really couldn't get over the hump in part because they weren't able to hit any free throws. And they were getting some chances and they just weren't converting. And that wears on a team, mm-hmm. you know. We see it all the time. You see a team start to go through it and say, here we go again. And you're not able to get over a hump and you have, you're having empty possession after empty possession in part because you're not able to cash in the easy ones. You know, meanwhile, Michigan State is doing a bang up job and they're shooting, uh, shout out standing at yeah, 16 to 19. So better than 80%. Uh, yeah, 90, 90 point. No, I'm sorry. Uh, 84.2% on the game. So. Big, 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 huge difference there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Rocket Watts, um, only 15 minutes, but 11 points, a rebound and assist, three for eight, um, hit a three, made all four for four from the line, only one turnover. Better. Better. And I say in the second half, but yeah. And I say better for two reasons. One, I thought, you know, I thought this is the last game too. I thought he, his numbers weren't eye popping, but at least he played within himself. He didn't force a lot. And I thought for the most part, he played that way today. Um, and then defensively, I thought he was much better. It's the best he's played in a while. Mm. So that's an encouraging. That's one of the things I'm really encouraged by because if they can get him back playing defensively and if he continues, you know, I think that late three that he hit, might not seem like a big deal, garbage time or Ken Palm time as they talk about it. Yeah. You know, we're going for margin of victory, <laughs> but I think it might be really big for Rocket Watts mm-hmm. because he saw the ball go through the, go through the hoop from deep, you know, and he needed that. Um, so I, I liked his game. You know, you look at the numbers only three for eight from the field, but you also have to remember he was four for four at the line. He got two, he got fouled twice and cashed in. So that makes, you know, Makes it look a little better, um, and I thought he was better. So I'm I both. So I'm happy with him. It's kind of interesting how they've looks like maybe they're thinking about using him kind of as a closer uh, at the point. Well, it makes sense if you're in a situation where you need stops, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and and we know that given given a close call, Izzo's always going to default for defense. So it's not surprising in that respect, right? I do think, I thought at times in this game, um, in the second half, there was a stretch where, this is just my opinion, um, 
I thought Michigan State hung with him a little too long because, again, it was clear that movement and just the dynamism of the offense was better when Hogard was in the game. Um, but, yeah, I think I think you're probably right about a closing lineup, and I don't think that rules out Hogard playing in those stretches either. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's the potential for that, and we've kind of seen that in these two wins, that down the stretch, Rock has mostly been the guy. And at least in this one, I thought he showed up on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I think just in general, the other thing that's really, really impressive here that we haven't talked about is that, and it's the first time all year we've seen it, even those early wins that we got excited about against Notre Dame and Duke, this is the first time that Michigan State kind of had a game at a tipping point in the second half, yeah. closed, just closed them out. And and I thought Josh Langford actually, to bring him back up again, hit a couple buckets in that stretch that were big. And then the defense was big because they got stops together mm-hmm. with those baskets. I think it was a stretch where really quickly MSU hung like a 7-0 run on them to push it up, the lead up into the high teens. And it was Josh with a three, Josh with I think it was a mid-range jumper, like maybe just inside the free throw line. Um, and then Aaron Henry had a, a mid-range jumper. Um, and we haven't talked about Aaron much, and we need to because yeah. it's second straight all Big Ten caliber game. I mean, this is that was, like the Aaron Henry we've been waiting for. Yeah, <laughs> these yeah, last two absolutely. games. <laughs> absolutely. You know, eight for 13 from the floor, two for four from three, eight boards. Only one assist to four turnovers. That's really the only thing you can get on him about. Again, some of that, I think, was a result of him being just a little too aggressive, which is a habit he's had in his career, unfortunately, where he will put himself into too much traffic. Mm-hmm. And he'll try to penetrate when it really isn't there. Um, but four blocks and two steals, so he was active defensively, too. 20 points, eight boards. You can't complain about that. And by the way, 35 minutes. So he was a workhorse. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this Aaron Henry is a guy that you can hang your hat on and say, okay, this is a player, you know, if you're going to win, like seriously win in the Big Ten, and we know this, it's hard to do that without a lead guy. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean the lead guy's got a legion scoring every game or anything like that, but he's got to be, he's got to be somebody that you don't lose any sleep over in terms of is he going to show up or not. Yeah. And Aaron Henry has never really been able to be that in his career. You know, you think about Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman. I mean, those guys would have bad games occasionally, but it was an anomaly. Mm-hmm. You knew that you were going to, and we can go down the line, all the greats at Michigan State. This team needs somebody like that. And, you know, um, the, I'm forgetting his name. The, the play-by-play guy tonight that was working with Billis, I thought, said something that, that we've kind of danced around in our own way, which is, is, is Michigan State actually being hurt by all this depth? And Izzo's talked about it in his way where he said, you know, the good thing is I got a lot of guys that can play. The bad thing is I don't have a lot of guys that have separated themselves. And and I think it's hard. It's hard to win that way at this level. I think you need a guy or two that you know are going to be your top tier guys, you know. And and Aaron Henry has, I think, has to be one of those guys. I think it's Aaron and Joey 
I really do. I think those are your two guys. Mm. That's not a radical statement because that's kind of what we thought coming into the season. Um, but I think having seen all the games we've seen now, it's been true. And, and at least the last two games, Aaron Henry has shown the, a level that he had never reached before. These are, I think, the two biggest scoring games of his career back to back i'm pretty sure yeah definitely um if if well the the, the career high was definitely against nebraska and then this one's got to be in the top two or three there aren't many times aaron henry's hit 20 points mm-hmm. in his career but you look at that you look at the way he's rebounding you know the assists weren't there tonight but we know he's a playmaker and the defense is back you know he's had he, he's mostly been a pretty good individual defender this year but he's had just enough moments where you're like, man, that shouldn't be happening to a guy who's this good defensively as a junior. Mm-hmm. But the last two games, especially tonight, I thought he really showed up. You know, they had it's him on the scoring too. You know, it's not well, like he needed yeah, 18 that, shots to get that. On the offensive end, you're yeah. absolutely right. The last two games, the big difference, of course, is that he's hitting shots. And I, he looks to me like he's in a good flow. You know, like he's he's comfortable in the shots that he's taking. They're not forced. They they make sense. You know, and he did it a lot of different ways. He hit a couple threes. He hit some mid range jumpers. He did some stuff in transition. He did some stuff in penetration. He had a post up bucket, at least one that was impressive. Uh, it was over Miles Johnson, as a matter of fact. Um, so those are all that's all really really important and I think he's got to be that guy mm-hmm. for this team or one of them certainly game in game out you know you can't you can't be for this team to be successful Aaron Henry can't you know they got Purdue coming up next we we can't have a game where Aaron Henry is like 2 for 11 from the floor and has some spotty moments defensively and doesn't doesn't rebound the way he's capable of can't have it mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have to score 20 every night, but he's got to be a guy who impacts the game in its totality. This team needs that from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see who else we got here. Oh, Foster only five minutes in this one, two assists, two a turnover. No shots. Yeah, he, he got, um, he got pulled and I'm trying to remember why in the first half. Um, I would assume it's a defensive mistake, but I honestly, and I, I, and I knew he was leaving the court when he did it. I just can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Mm. Um, I think it was a defensive mistake, but I can't swear to it. And then, you know, Izzo never came back with him, which is going to make some people happy, which is unfortunate. Um, but, was uh, it that pass, was it that pass at the, at the, to the top of the key to rocket where they got, they got stolen? Yes. Yes, yes, it was a lazy pass. You're absolutely right. It was an offensive, it was an offensive mistake. But that's the kind of thing they can't have. And Foster yeah, occasionally gets a little too casual, um, with his passing. Uh, and, you know, that's the kind of thing that teams scout, you know? I mean, they do. And so that, I, I thought Rutgers, you know, the turnovers were inexcusable, but give them credit because a lot of those were steals. And that means they were being more aggressive than they normally are. They're normally not a team that's really jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were jumping in this game. But, you know, if they see on film, hey, Michigan State's kind of lazy sometimes on this stuff. They get casual. Why not? 
And that's it. You know, that's exactly what they did. So yeah, not a, not a great game for Foster, but honestly, the way that, that Hogard was playing and the way that Rocket was playing, you didn't need him. Mm. You know, it was just one of those, one of those nights where he just wasn't needed. Uh, and Sissoko got a turn in the first half, uh, four minutes. He did. Two rebounds, two blocks. He showed up. Yeah. You know, he missed, he missed, uh, a shot around the rim, which was too bad. Uh, would have been nice to see him hit, but yeah, for four minutes, it was pretty effective, you know, and, and I, I still see people calling for Maddie Sissoko to be in the starting lineup. And I just, <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> and we talked about why Th- Thomas Kithier played his ass off again. You know, the Hall-Hauser combination was really effective. That's who needs to be playing the majority of minutes. Now, I'm all for giving Maddie turns. I think he deserves that, and that's a good idea to develop him. Mm-hmm. But he's not ready. I mean, we've got this game coming up uh, on Friday against Purdue, and Purdue is mm-hmm. a team with two really re- post guys you got to worry about. You know, Trevion Williams, who's just an old fashioned, you know, six, eight bruiser. And then a guy who's, I don't know, seven feet, nine, something like that. Mm. <laughs> the freshman. Yes. They, they're going to need Maddie because I think they're just going to need bodies against those guys. But, um, and they might need Bingham too. I mean, he got in they, there for they a probably, He did. But I, I guess just to finish my thought on Maddie, I just don't. You know, the idea of Maddie guarding, say, Trevion Williams, I think Trevion Williams will bury him. Cause I, I just don't think he's ready to play the kind of defense that you would need to get from a guy playing major minutes. Not to mention how he plays the pick and roll. Now, I think in time, Maddie Sissoko is going to be a huge plus defensively. Mm. But I've seen enough to feel like eh, he's not there yet. So the best way to go is exactly what Michigan State did tonight. You pick your spots. If you notice, he wasn't out there when Miles Johnson was. Mm-hmm. Now you people might think, well, why wouldn't you play the guy who can play the biggest of any of Michigan State's posts, other than maybe Bingham? It's close. Um, but I don't think Bingham was in there against Johnson either. You know, and the reason is, I think Michigan State rightly looked at it and said these guys could get buried against that kid. Even though they're much smaller, these other guys, Kithier, Hauser, they give you a better chance against this player. And so you got to pick your spots. I don't know where the spot comes against Purdue because they don't ever play any minutes going smaller or without an effective big man. You know, both of them are big and both of them are good. So it's going to be a challenge. But, you know, Maddie, I think – it was it was nice to see the defensive impact. We know he can do that, but I need to see more, a lot more, before you'd consider getting his minutes up probably even, you know, well into double digits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Markey played two minutes. Um, he hit a free throw. Oh, he had three free throws. I'm sorry. So he had three points, one rebound, and one block, um, and also a turnover. So, you know, Okay. Okay. I thought he had one really bad moment defensively where, if you remember, there was a possession where Michigan State took it right down to the end. I think it was Harper threw up a three that airballed 
But yeah. Jacob Young doesn't get the rebound, which was not Markey's fault. That was, as Billis pointed out, that was A.J. Hogard not putting a body on him. So not his fault that they gave up the rebound. What was his fault is that Jacob Young is like, I don't know, six feet from the basket, and Markey didn't step out. Mm. You've gotta, he just let a 6'2 guy shoot over him because he didn't even bother to contest it. Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, and so those are the moments where you're like, you can't plan. And then, no. There was another one I saw where he, he went for the – somebody had a dribble drive. He went for the block and missed it, and they got the offensive rebound and scored where he yeah, should have been in position to get that rebound. And that's you know that's always the stuff that you risk with guys who are shot blockers, consider themselves shot blockers, right? And that's why for years and years Izzo didn't really value it very much because he felt like it was counterproductive in terms of rebounding, you know? Um, to have guys hunting blocks. Well, that's changed out of necessity, I think. But, um, yeah, a bad, a bad moment. And that's something that, in fairness to Maddie, I have not seen Maddie do. Maddie has a better instinct, I think, for that stuff, for staying down. And I think is going to be a plus rebounder, obviously, in time. I, I get why people are excited about him because just like in this game, he is, if he plays a few minutes, Maddie Sissoko is going to give you a flash or two. Where you're like, wow, that could be game changing if he could do it consistently. Mm-hmm. The problem is the longer you play him, the more the negatives are going to show up. I bet the house on it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why they've got to be, I think they played it very, very well tonight. Now against Purdue, they may have to play it a little differently because of matchups. They may have to play him more and we'll see how he holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would suspect it's it's a, a hard for people to to realize what Kithier does because he's so good at preventing the ball from getting in there in the first place. That's right. Did you see yeah. how hard he worked on post defense tonight at, mm. at getting over the top, at denying post clean post entry looks? I yeah. mean, yeah. and then and then at other times getting out on the floor. And actually hanging with Ron Harper Jr. I mean, I honestly, that was one of the best 2.7 rebound games I've ever seen. I thought he was outstanding tonight. Yeah, you you almost never see him uh, get caught in uh, all of a sudden it's a one-on-one in the post against Kithier. It just rarely happens. Right. Johnson got one tonight. Mm. Where his size just caught him and okay, that's gonna, you know, and that's gonna happen. But, you know, it's, I, I would like to see, and I, and I read this and I thought this was really unfortunate. I don't know a lot of details beyond this. Um, I read another Michigan State account, a guy named David Harnes tweet something tonight. Um, again, I haven't had a chance to investigate it, but I'll take him at his word. I think he's pretty reliable. Um, that Jane Kithier is Thomas Kithier's mother and she's on Twitter and I've seen her on Twitter and everything that I've seen, she's taken the high road with people who want to run her son off the roster. Mm. Uh, apparently she had to block like a ton of people. And I think that's, that stuff just grinds me as much as anything that could happen is our own people supposedly, um, you know, getting bad enough on social media, and I've seen it. I, you want to think she's overreacting. I think you're full of shit. I've seen the stuff that gets lobbed at this kid, and, and I felt that way before you could say the things that you can say about Thomas Kithier right now. 
which is that he is MSU's best option at the five, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it, putting aside, I think, the, the Hall-Hauser combination in the post is one that Michigan State needs to go with. But beyond that, Thomas Kithier is the best option, and he's playing very good basketball. Just because it's not basketball that you understand, viewer, yeah. Spartan fan, quote-unquote, doesn't mean it's it, – once again, you have an announcer that I think most people would acknowledge understands the game at a very high level, Jay Billis, raving about the way Thomas Kithier played tonight. Yeah. And not one of the plays that he raved about was a play where Thomas Kithier scored a basket. Mm-hmm. So study up, morons. Learn something about the game before you start going at a kid so so hard and so viciously that his mother has to block you. Yeah, on social media. It's a disgrace. And, and, and again, besides it be, it would be a disgrace if he was playing poorly to be doing that stuff. I mean, we, you know, we call it on this, on this podcast, we call a spade a spade and we say, okay, this guy didn't play well. This guy didn't have a good night. You know, this guy's got to get better. All those things, but it's not this just ridiculous level of vitriol that you see at times. And, and we could, we could spend hours talking about the whys. The why Thomas Kithier and Foster Lawyer are targeted the way that they are in this in this program mm. by some supposed fans, but um, but the bottom line is right now Thomas Kithier is playing high level basketball. End of story. Three straight games now he's been one of MSU's best players, mm. and I I defend that opinion to to my death that that's an accurate description of what he's been. Yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think Kithier, I've I've liked Kithier for a long time, and it's it's good to see him finally getting the starting nod. You know, all the all the uh, and and that's ceremonial to some degree. I mean, Kithier, it's not like Kithier's playing thirty minutes a game. He's right, 18. exactly. They're playing. They are playing him. In the last game, he played a lot more against mm-hmm. Nebraska for good reason because they needed him to. Yeah, you know, nobody else was showing up in that group of players, and they needed big minutes from Thomas, and he delivered. You know, and he was one of the few guys who played well and played hard against Minnesota in that disgrace of a loss. So, <laughs> I, I think that, um, you know, if you're not seeing these things, and and you're wondering why you and I are saying it, and you're wondering why Jay Billis is saying it. And I'm trying to remember who did the Nebraska game um, for Fox. Sean Morris. Oh, Sean Morris, Big Ten Network. That's right. And why Sean Morris is saying it. By the way, these last two guys, Sean Morris and Jay Billis, I think are two of, probably two of the five best colored guys in a game. Yeah, thank so God if, Billis if, did this game. If they're saying these things about him, maybe that's an indication to you that you don't understand as much about the sport as you think. Just maybe. Yeah, I agree. All right, so the keys, Rod, uh, threes. Yeah, I mean, finally we can get a night, catch a night where somebody's not shooting the lights out. But I, but you know what? But I think honestly, I I think that you have to give Michigan State's defense yeah. credit for that. Here's that's the big thing, right? Exactly, that's the big thing. Only twelve attempts. Rutgers does not come into a game wanting to only take twelve threes. They don't. I mean, this is a team that was shooting 39% as a group coming in. Now they, you know, they were three for four 
in the second half. So they ended up three for 12, 25%, but 0 for eight in the first half. And, and I think that, um, you have to give Michigan State's defense the bulk of the credit. We said this is an area where the game could turn, right? Mm-hmm. If Rutgers got a big edge in that category, ooh, it could be rough. But I, I did think Michigan State had a chance um, to hang in there, and sure enough, they did. I mean, they ended up – you know, Michigan State didn't shoot a ton of them either, but they were 6 for 14, so 43%. So they helped the old team average uh, – bump up a little bit um, and, you know, had a, whatever it is, a three, a three makes edge in that category, six to three. Um, you know, Rocket had that one late. So if you want to take that one away, fine. They still had an edge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's big. That was, Cause that was a really big worry. I thought, I didn't think, I, I really didn't think, despite the size issues, I didn't think Miles Johnson was going to come in with like a 20, 25 point game. I didn't see that happening. Mm-hmm. What I worried about was Michigan State, um, having trouble with Harper at the four, him doing a lot of damage inside and out, and then just generally having a hard time maybe on driving kicks, having a hard time guarding whatever kind of screen action they might run or in transition. You did see one time Rutgers got a three in transition, that pitch back. Yeah. The Geo kind of pushed just inside and pitched it back to Harper, and he hit the three. Um, they do that with a fair amount too. And I really did. I was concerned about that. Get, you know, Remember we had that stock exchange talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, so maybe there was some a reversion to the mean, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to give Michigan State a lot of credit for that number because I think it's deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then boards, uh, massive advantage in boards. Yeah, well, the let's. Team, but I had forty-three to twenty-one total boards. That doesn't include the team, though. Yeah. Now that you know, you can get fooled. And you'll see in the raw numbers, Rutgers had nine offensive rebounds to Michigan State's eight, right? But that doesn't tell you what you really need to know. Because what you really need to know is how many times did Rutgers get an offensive rebound on a missed shot versus how many times on a percentage basis that Michigan State did it, right? That's a much more number. So Rutgers, nine, divided by 41, a 21.9% offensive rebounding rate. So let's call it 22%. That's a pretty good job by Michigan State. That's a really good job, actually. Mm-hmm. Michigan State, meanwhile, um, 8, 26, 30, almost 31%, 30.7% offensive rebounding rate. That's a decisive Michigan State edge. Mm-hmm. So they did the job. Don't pay attention to the raw, the raw offensive rebounding numbers or, and for that matter, the raw numbers total. They can sometimes tell you a story, but only partially. Yeah. It's really, it's really about the percentage of times there's a missed shot that you're getting it at each end. And Michigan State at both ends was significantly better than Rutgers was. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a total shock, right? Despite Rutgers' reputation as a program, we said in in the pregame, this is, at least statistically, this is not a typical Rutgers team rebounding the ball. And despite our constant drumbeat that Michigan State isn't rebounding well enough, statistically, Michigan State's okay. Mm -hmm. 
and they were, I thought they were better than okay tonight. I mean, you know, the, the three guys, Hauser and Kithier and Henry, you know, 14, eight and seven rebounds between those three guys. That's, that's showing up. And Aaron Henry doing it from the wing is big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they need that. And, and they're still not getting enough. You know, <laughs> Gabe had, I want to see what Gabe ended up with in terms of total rebounds. It wasn't a lot. Okay, so he had two, both defensive, but he had another one. He had one rebound defensively where he just went up and and just claimed it. And I thought, oh, that's what you need to see. And then it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> I just, he shows those flashes where you know that he has a good rebounder in him. And it just isn't showing up consistently enough. Josh only had one tonight, so he didn't do a lot. But, you know, as you mentioned, A.J. Hogard with three, they're getting more from that position now because he's playing. Mm-hmm. So that helps. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, rebounding a definite plus. It, it kind of makes up for the turnover gap. Yeah, which was the third key. Uh, turnovers, yeah. 15 for Michigan State, six for Rutgers. A- 18. 18, 18 for Michigan State. Yep, 18, and I've got Rutgers with nine. So it okay. was a it was a nine turnover gap. Now I want to see, yeah, points off turnovers story is not pretty either. Rutgers had 19 points scored off those 18 MSU turnovers. MSU 10 points off the nine. So the the rate per turnover was about the same, but the scoring rate per turnover, but each team had one more point than the opposition's turnover mm-hmm. number, but um, obviously Michigan State just with a lot more. It was um, it was not pretty, but this was a different kind of, and, and and that was part of the problem is that most of Michigan State's turnovers in that first half were live ball. Yeah, and it led to you know on a night where God on a night where you're really playing well in the half court defensively, they're not hitting tough shots mostly. So if you can just keep them, force them to score in, in live, in live flow of play, that's what you want. Mm. And, and Michigan State was just, it was a combination, I thought, of some lazy stuff on the perimeter. And then on occasion, guys, you know, Aaron Henry had four tonight. And I think most of his were just bad decisions where he was looking to try to do something and just got himself into too much traffic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a drip, you know? Um, so those were problems. I mean, that's something, but, but as we talked about before this game, Michigan state had been doing a reasonable job in turnovers. The, the funny thing is you can make a case, especially if you're grading for opposition, that the two worst games in terms of turnovers for Michigan State this year were this one and Duke and MSU won them both. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're probably the two best wins that Michigan State's got. I think they are. Um, I don't know what that says, but it's, it's, it's something that occurs to me as we're talking. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this was different than kind of the all oh, Michigan State's just making boneheaded mistakes. That, that wasn't this. This was, um, just being too casual and yet sometimes too aggressive, <laughs> kind of simultaneously, and and a team that had Michigan State scouted pretty well, and I think was was ready to play for them. I mean, Rutgers had 
So MSU had 18 turnovers, and Rutgers as a team had 13 steals. That's a lot of steals, guys. <laughs> That's a lot of steals. Yeah. And so credit to them. I mean, um, and they really spread it around too. McConnell had three. Other than that, it's a bunch of guys with two. But you know, we had said Jacob Young came in averaging two and a half a game. He had two tonight. So he's the one guy you know kind of does that, kind of hunts those. The rest of their team really doesn't do that. They still had 13. So that that tells me it was a combination of them feeling that maybe Michigan State was a little bit soft on the perimeter, and they were mm-hmm. at times, and, and then just playing for that and getting a little more aggressive than they would normally be, and it produced some good results for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fourth key, transition. Um, I thought they did – Michigan State did a pretty damn good job the first half. They slowed it down in the second half when they had, once they had the lead. But Yeah. Um, so, again, a number that I never put a lot of faith in, fast break points as Michigan State with a 15-11 margin. Um, I, I do think Michigan State got some things pushing the ball. I think Rutgers, you know, Rutgers is a disciplined team, so they're not gonna, they're not gonna do what we saw Nebraska do at times, where they just flat out, you know, there was no transition defense in evidence, and you can just kind of blow through them. Um, Rutgers isn't gonna give you those kind of easy opportunities very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and keep in mind, most of what and Rutgers wants to play fast this year; they want to run. Um, most of what Rutgers got done was a result of Michigan State's turnovers. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I, uh, Michigan State in transition, it was more, you know, pushing after a make or, um, you know, getting a defensive rebound cleanly and going. I, it's, it's probably another point in AJ Hogard's favor that I don't think it's an accident that the best, I think Michigan State's running game has looked and it's not where it needs to be yet, but the best it's looked so far have been these last two games that he's started and played a lot. Yeah. Because he's given them a, just a different element, you know. You got you got a guy who's a real trigger man back there, and that that makes a difference. It can, and it could have been worse. Langford had two wide open transition threes that just that missed. Yep. Just missed. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, they got good. They got they got some stuff done mm-hmm. in this game. Again, I'm also grading on a curve, considering that the opponent is pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and then the fifth key free throws, yeah. which actually did make a big difference in this one, especially early. Yeah, that, that's thirty-five percent. That's the point. I think that it, early on in the first half, it probably was. You know, you can look at Michigan State's just ungodly amount of turnovers limited them, and if they hadn't had that, their lead would have been substantially larger. But on the other hand, Rutgers missing free throws limited them from maybe, you know, being right in the game tied. Mm-hmm. I think they were down six at the half. They were at least 0 for 6 in the first half. So it was important. And I think the fact that it continued in the second half um, was also critical because, as we talked about earlier, if that's happening to you as a team, you know, you got a, a game like this, Rutgers is – they're going against a team that's playing well defensively. They're not giving you many good shots. You're not finding that you're hitting tough shots very well. Mm-hmm. You know, any chance you get to score is critical, right? 
And if you can't cash those in, I think it starts to wear on you. And I do think it was a big factor because of when it was going on. They were struggling the most, you know, at, at a point where the game was competitive. And, and they just couldn't get over that hump and really make it like Billis was talking about fairly late in the game when Michigan State actually blew it out. The Rutgers had some chances to get it back into single digits and put Michigan State on a little bit of game pressure. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen Michigan State have some trouble with that this year, even in the games that they've won, obviously. You know, they've kind of coughed up big leads and let games get competitive. Um, they did it against Nebraska, honestly. Yeah. In the last game, you know, we talked about that, right? 18 point lead. You got a chance to, you know, snap their neck and instead you let them back into it. Uh, tonight was the opposite, but I think that while some of that credit certainly goes to Michigan State for making plays, I think some of it also is attributable to Rutgers just really struggling with the freebies. And, you know, Bellis talked about it. And I'm sure he's right to some extent. It was a problem of who had the attempts, who was going to the line. I mean, Miles Johnson was the last guy you want leading to free throw attempts. He was 0 for 7. Then again, he's your starting five. He's probably going to go to the line a lot because starting fives usually do. Um, you know, some of the other guys, Montez Mathis, who's another guy who's kind of struggling uncharacteristically given that he shoots well from three. He was 0 for 2. Mulcahy, he was 0 for 1. Young was 1 for 2. I mean, the only guy who delivered was Harper Jr. and McConnell were both two for two. Everybody else was missing. Mm. So it was a problem. And then on the other side, let's give Michigan State credit. They've been a good free-throw shooting team all year. They came in a little over 73% as a group and were even better than that tonight. You know, the only guys who missed, Marcus missed one, Gabe missed one, and Hogarth missed one. So then you had Rocket at four for four, Malik was one for one, and then a bunch of guys, Henry, Langford, and Hauser all at two for two. So they spread it around. Nobody was getting a heavy percentage of the shots, but as a group, 16 for 19, you take that every game. Mm-hmm. All right, so next one up on the schedule is Purdue uh, Friday. Um, yeah. Rod, this is going to be, you know, Purdue's coming into that one 7-5. and five. They, I don't know if they'll have a game before that. Maybe they should, I would think. Um, I'm, you look at Purdue's, look at Purdue's record. Well, Purdue is, five, um, sorry, Purdue is, uh, da, 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 they great. They're seven and five overall. They're two and three in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what they've done, they beat Ohio State at home. They lost to Iowa, kind of a blowout. They beat Maryland at home. They lost to Rutgers on the road. They lost to Illinois on the road. But they've been competitive in those games. They lost by five at Rutgers. They lost by eight at Illinois. They had a game tonight postponed against Nebraska. Uh, and I believe that was due to issues in the Nebraska program, not Purdue. So we'll have to see if there's any impact, at least not yet, Purdue. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is big for Michigan State for a couple of reasons. One, it's an opportunity to get to 500. Yeah. And that's big. I mean, to start out 0-3, if you could rip off three in a row, you're feeling a lot better. It's three reasons, I would say. Two, no knock against Purdue, but I don't I don't think about Purdue as an upper-tier team. That doesn't mean they're not competitive and they can't beat you, mm-hmm. but 
if you're trying, especially given the way Michigan State started, if you're trying to get yourself back into a position where you can think about, you know, not just trying to scrap your way into the tournament, but actually do some things. I'm not going to talk about titles, but you know what I mean. Um, these are games you got to win. And then the third thing is, I think the next one is at Iowa, which is a much, much, much bigger test. But the beautiful thing about it is, if you can get this one, if you can be three and three, Michigan State's got six days to prepare for Iowa. Yeah. They don't play Iowa no, until Thursday. Home yeah. Thursday. That would be a big deal. Now, the, the flip side to that is, oh, if you're playing well, do you really want to cool down? And <laughs> We'll have to see how Michigan State plays before we can worry about that. But I do like the way that sets up overall. I think if you can win this game, get yourself to three and three, six days is enough time to do some some we work and some them work if mm-hmm. you get my drift. And yeah. this team still needs a lot of we work. I mean, as well as they played tonight, hey, things aren't solved yet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot to work on, a lot to improve. And and I so I like the way that sets up. Whereas if you lose against Purdue, you're two and four, you got all this time, and then you got Iowa staring at you. You know, it just the dynamic would feel a little different. Yeah. So I think it's a big game. They're all big, but I, I think this is an important one. Okay. Well, um, I certainly have a lot more hope after today's game than I had before. Uh, I would think every I would I would <laughs> not understand how any Michigan State fan wouldn't see it that way. That that felt really good to see see them play yep. a game like that, especially defensively. Any final words on this one, Rod? I think we said it all. Okay. We'll get the uh, preview up for Purdue in the next few days. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.